World War II had just ended, and things were beginning to brew already for World War I. We begin to see this rise of secularism and uh, nationalism taking place in various countries. The Prime Minister of Italy, uh, Benito Mussolini, was getting ready to assist in his part there in the Second World War. And it was in response to this that Pope Pius XI proclaimed the solemnity that we're celebrating here today, the solemnity of Christ, King of the Universe. You know, you say each week, thy kingdom come. Uh, you also say as part of the creed, you know, of, that you believe in one of whose kingdom there shall be no end. But what does this mean? What is this solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe, all about? Uh, that Pope uh, Pius XI decided to give to the church there back in 1925. It helps to, to be able to understand Christ the King. It helps to be able to look at the kingdom that he established. The kingdom that he established here on earth is this kingdom that you and I are part of, what we know as the Catholic Church. It's a kingdom. It has citizens. It has laws. It has its own judicial system. It's a kingdom. It's a monarchy. There's not really too much voting that goes on in the Catholic Church. It is a real and true kingdom. It was founded by Christ the King, the one who came as a king. This is what you see over and over again in the Bible. The different prophets talk about this. Isaiah, for example, wrote, For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us, and the government is upon his shoulder. He shall sit upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. This is what you heard about in the first reading, about this throne of David. Our Lord came as the son of David uh, to establish this kingdom, his kingdom. In the book of Daniel, something similar we read, it says, His kingdom shall never be destroyed and shall stand forever. And again, God gave him power and glory and a kingdom, and all people's tribes and tongues shall serve him, and his power is an everlasting power that shall not be taken away, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. And of course, what our Lord decreed through one of his angels, through Gabriel, to the Blessed Mother, he said, to her that she would bear a son, and the Lord God shall give him unto him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Our Lord came to this earth to found a kingdom. That kingdom here on earth is known as the Catholic Church. And we see evidences of how our Lord founded this and the structure that he gave to this kingdom right from the very beginning, still in existence in the church today. For example, our Lord came as a Jewish king, as an Israelite king. And so he kind of followed that same model of kingship of his forebears, the kings that came before him. The Israelite kings were known to have quite a few wives, which couldn't have been easy and caused probably lots of problems. But each king had only one mother. And so this made, to simplify things, it was the queen mother, rather than one of the wives of the king, that played a special role within the kingdom, within his cabinet, the queen mother. 
You can read about this, for example, in 1 Kings 2.20. So also our Lord, when he founded his kingdom, his mother, the blessed mother, would also play a special role. We see this in the Catholic Church. But this goes back to this kingdom understanding, the way that Israelite kings founded their kingdom, their kingdoms, and structured them, their cabinets. So also, the Israelite kings had this special role in place in their kingdoms. You can read about it in the Old Testament. It's this over-the-household role or this steward role, kind of the second in command. It'd be a guy that the king would put into place to kind of run the day-to-day affairs of the kingdom, a prime minister of sorts. You can read about this in various different places, but one of the most well-detailed is in Isaiah 22. describes this role uh, that I think it was King Hezekiah was using in his kingdom. So also our Lord, when he established his kingdom, he used this same structure. He put in place a steward to oversee the day-to-day affairs, what we call the Pope today. He's not the king, but he kind of runs things on the ground. He's this visible source of unity and overseeing the household uh, uh, there in the kingdom. He's not the king, but he assists. So our Lord, right from the very beginning, we put Peter in that place. Read about that in Matthew 16. Filed this same Israelite king model. We still see this in the Catholic Church to this day, that this church, this kingdom, is that which our Lord established. It was prophesied in the scriptures, that which he structured following this Israelite kingdom model. The Catholic Church understands itself as that kingdom here on earth, which was established by the King of Kings. And yet, this kingdom is very different from other kingdoms, from other political institutions, from man-made sources of power. It's not a kingdom that's focused on wealth and coercive power. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom that sees itself above every other political institution or structure, an eternal kingdom, unlike the kingdoms of this world, the political entities of this world that come and go. You know, it might sound a bit uh, seditious or audacious, but the church, Christ's kingdom here on earth, does not, does, sees itself as not being subject to any external human man-made power here on this earth. It's not under the authority of the United States or any other country. The church as a whole. Uh, Now, we as citizens still need to give our obedience to those governmental authorities. Uh, St. Paul wrote, for example, in Romans 13.1, that we're to obey the governing authorities, so we're to be good citizens of this country, the United States, uh, as, as citizens here. Yet the church as a whole is not under the authority of any nation or state. Pope Pius XI wrote in 1925 in Quius Primus, this encyclical that he used to explain why he was giving to the church, Christ the King Sunday. He said this, The church, founded by Christ as a perfect society, has a natural and inalienable right to perfect freedom and immunity from the power of the state. It's not under the power of any state or nation. And that in fulfilling the task committed to her by God of teaching, ruling, and guiding to eternal bliss, those who belong to the kingdom of Christ, she cannot be subject to any external power. 
This is pretty audacious, right? Pretty bold claim of the church. How does she do this? Where does she get this sort of authority? It comes from her Lord, who, according to Scripture, Revelation 19.16, is described as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, above every other human or man-made institution, and not subject to any of them. Yet, this kingdom is different than these other political institutions. It's not an earthly kingdom. There were those that wanted it to be. We read about this, for example, in John 6.15. They were going to force Jesus to be their king, to function in this kind of earthly sort of way. And they would have if he hadn't escaped up into the mountain, according to the scripture. This kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It's different than earthly kingdoms. You come into this kingdom, become a citizen through faith, through repentance, through baptism. It's opposed to none, to none other, to no nations or states, uh, other than the kingdom of Satan, the power of darkness. There are high demands in this kingdom that are placed on its citizens. It requires detachment from riches, the spirit of gentleness, living out self-denial. Unlike every other kingdom, it wasn't started by, by war or force of arms, but rather by a king who laid down his life for his subjects, giving himself on their behalf. It's when all people acknowledge him as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, that evil will be cured, that true and lasting peace will come, that arms will be laid down. He's the source of unity. He's the cure to all these wars and these conflicts that we see all over the world, giving ourselves over fully and completely to him, to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, in this different kingdom, unlike every other kingdom. The Catholic Church, the Lord's kingdom here on this earth, is not subject to any man-made power or political institution. It's above and beyond. It's otherworldly. It's beyond that which any man could really think of or possibly construct. So what does that mean for you? Because you're a citizen of this kingdom, this otherworldly kingdom. What do you mean when you say each week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? How do you live out your citizenship in this kingdom? You know, to be a good citizen of any country, of course, it starts with following the laws. So as Catholics, we follow the rules, the laws that are put in place for us, the Ten Commandments, uh, but also there's these things called precepts that sometimes we forget about. There are six precepts that we have in the Catholic Church. These are laws that the Church has given to us. Things like, uh, number one, getting to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation uh, and resting from unnecessary work. You know, unless you're sick, you can't get to Mass or you're taking care of someone who's sick or you, there's a work that you can't get out of, of course. Uh, number two, getting to confession at least once a year if you have any grave sins, serious sins. Number three, receiving communion at least once a year, especially during the Easter season. Number four, abiding by the church's uh, rules on fasting and abstinence. Number five, uh, giving, supporting the material needs of the church. And number six, following uh, the church's laws for marriage. But to really be good citizens... It takes, these are just the minimums, right? Finally, the laws are just the minimums. To be a good citizen means going beyond those things. You know, our Lord said to seek first the kingdom of God 
and all these things will be added on to you. And so I'd encourage you to consider on this Christ the King Sunday how you're doing that. Are you going beyond the minimums and putting him first? Are you going beyond simply being a Sunday morning Catholic? You know, it's great that you're getting to Mass. That's excellent. But to really build up this kingdom, it requires even going above and beyond that. Of course, this means first and foremost in your prayers daily, putting the Lord first. But in other ways too, how are you using your time to build up this kingdom? It's a lasting kingdom. There's lots of things that pull out our time, you know, little side gigs, earning extra money or sports or, you know, uh, fun things. And we, we need some of these things, of course. But are they pulling you away from building up this kingdom? All those other things, they're not going to last. Even our own country. I love being a citizen of the United States. I love this country. But I know it's not going to last. Countries, historically, they come and go after a few hundred years. But this kingdom, the kingdom of God that Christ founded, it's going to last forever according to the scripture. And so this is where we want to put the greatest amount of our efforts in building up this kingdom, this lasting kingdom. This is what it means to serve Christ the King, to fully give, to go beyond just the minimums. It's a good place to start, but to go beyond and build up this kingdom. That's what it means when you pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Today we're celebrating this solemnity of Christ, the king of the universe. This kingdom that the Lord has given us, this church here on earth announced by the prophets, different than every other kingdom, above every other kingdom, and the one to which we fully dedicate ourselves, dedicate our lives. Amen.